watching this game, like our defense looked dominant, right? And like, you know, I'm I'm sitting there looking like minor things, and our defense. The biggest thing is, I feel like we could be right back to the same phase that we had last year, where we allow big plays to happen, right? Like we allowed, we were one in the in the bottom part of the league, or I should say, the top part of the league, in the plays allowed um, for 20 yards or more. But then once it broke down to plays of 40 yards or 50 yards, we allowed the most, second most and the most for those type of plays. And I feel like with the amount of pressure that we're putting on on the line, putting safeties in the box and loading up, we're allowing for some of these way, way bigger plays to possibly happen. Obviously, against the Bengals, we didn't have that issue, but I'm a little bit concerned about that, man. Like The Bengals game, actually, though, I felt like we were generating a lot of pressure with just four linemen, too, without even a blitz, which was great. And not shocking right with you look at the talent on our d-line but um that was definitely encouraging now they had brandon allen playing quarterback but <laughs> we also didn't have fuller and william jackson play corner though so it's kind of that's and mac tire mac tire played well so for me i was looking at the other other things you know i think the defense was fine um mac tire and st juice held their own Absolutely. versus a guy like uh chase jamar chase i mean you can't ask for like a better scenario than what took place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your two top corners are missing, and you're dominating versus a top-tier rookie wide receiver. So, I mean. Did they did they just sit them, or did they act – they weren't hurt, right? Uh, I feel like they just I, said, okay, hang out. Probably just sat This game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. You get Absolutely. the younger guys some time, especially – honestly, like preseason, I, I'm all for sitting starters, so – I mean, if well, we the way our have, offense looked. If we didn't have the turnovers in the first half, they would have had no points. We gave them 55 yards in the first half. 55. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty intense. <laughs> Brandon Allen or not, that's 55 yards. So Exactly. So defense played well. So I don't know who's saying defense didn't play well. I think defense did pretty well. That was pretty much our strong suit. You can say the offense didn't play well, but I think defense played yeah, well. Yeah, the offense – the offense has some struggles, which we'll we'll get into throughout the show. But I want to want to pick your brains on some of that stuff because the offense definitely is starting to scare me a little bit this at times. But uh, we'll get into it. People that are trying to stay out of last place, those consequences don't exist for the ones listening to this podcast. This is for the ones who always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump, and the ones who just want to dominate year after year to show everyone else they're the champions. This is Fantasy Intervention. This is Fantasy Intervention. Fantasy Intervention. Now here to intervene with your fantasy life, your host, Chase Vernon. First off, welcome to another episode of the Washington Intervention, where we talk everything Washington football. I'm your host, Ryan. Find me over on Twitter, over at WhatGibbsFF. I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Mark Krauchik and Chase Vernon, as well as our very special guest tonight, Manny Chikuba. Manny, thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We got a great show tonight. I mean, we're going to break down some of the Washington football team's recent roster moves, uh, get into the preseason notes from Friday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll also talk some roster projections as we look to trim down uh, the roster to 53 ahead of the NFL's August 31st deadline there, just eight days away already, which is, is pretty crazy. 
Uh, it's coming up quickly. Uh, but let's let's start with Washington football's newest move because the, the release of last year's uh, preseason fan favorite Stephen Sims here. Um, the slots, it's funny because the slot position, I feel like, is one area where Washington fans really seem to pump up players in the preseason like every single year, right? Only to see them not pan out. And if you look back, we went from like what? Trey Quinn to what? Steve Sims. Now we're looking at Adam Humphreys, and it's the first time in the slot where we're not really seeing like that like sexy fan option. And, and he's had some struggles, and I think we've seen him and Fitzpatrick sometimes not on the same page, which we'll also get into a little bit later in the show. Um, but first, I want to pass it over to Manny. Um, Manny, are you surprised that both Steven Sims and now Kelvin Harmon last week were the two recent cuts at the wide receiver position for Washington, while we still see names like Antonio Gannon-Golden on the roster? Or are you comfortable seeing Antonio Gannon-Golden and did Steve, Steven Sims and Kelvin Harmon release not really uh, surprise you there? Right. It, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, they're Jags. They're just another guy. And I had a video today on YouTube that I put up, and I said, you know what? We celebrate these guys. I mean, we celebrate these guys like they're stars. So it's a good problem Always. to have to where we get rid of these guys and we have guys that are better. If you look at the team, we're smallish on the wide receiver end. So it was good to get rid of some guys. Harmon more so because of injury. You know what I'm saying? But when you look at AGG and uh, Steve Sims, they're like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? You need that. You need that. Uh, those guys that can go up and get it in red zone. So I wasn't surprised. I was like, finally. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're telling me that Kelvin Harmon is not the next Logan Thomas, you know, a, a converted tight end, right? <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just He's kidding. Slow. He's not he that has, slow. He has elite hands. Yes, he, he does have elite hands. Have, he has elite and hands. great body control. Slow, no separation. He's just a jag, man. He'll, it's unfortunate. Hey, he'll, make, he'll make a good fullback or a good something else. Why tight end? Yeah, maybe tight end, but he'll still need to balk up. I mean, don't, yeah. you, think we have, oh, don't you think we have enough projects at the tight end position? <laughs> well, we do have enough projects at the tight end <laughs> position, for sure. You leave John alone. He's a superb blocker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think and, – and we talked about this last week when we had Logan Paulson on the show, but the coaching staff really – values chess pieces, right? Uh, we talked about that at the running back position with guys like Peyton Barber. You know, I, I think with Antonio Gandy-Golden, two things come into play for me. Like one, I think on that 50-50 two-point conversion against the Bengals we saw, like that's a valuable skill set to have. He is that jump ball receiver, that 50-50 guy. We don't really have one ever since we got rid of like Harmon and I don't, I don't really think we have another guy that you'd point as your 50-50 red zone target or deep threat um, at this point. Uh, he could also be a valuable red zone target, and he's a very good run blocker. So I feel like Antonio Gandy-Golden has the, from a chess piece perspective, is that like cog that they can play. And he's not going to get a lot of snaps. He's not going to be fantasy relevant or anything like that. But he's that guy that plays a role. He is a piece within the offense. And I think that kind of goes back to – he's like the Peyton Barber for us of, of – uh, wide receivers right like barber is that guy that short yearded situation he's got a role the coaching staff values the role kind of see the same thing with antonio gandy golden when was the last time that we actually had what you call a red zone threat you know that was actually uh, relevant like i want to go back to marco mitchell 
being the last guy that I thought could be a red zone threat. And I love that dude. Like he was our preseason hero. Like you talked about one of those guys that came out and just scored touchdown after touchdown in the preseason. But Washington's never had a red zone threat in my opinion, like that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, honestly, like the last time that I thought we, this is going way back, but I was really excited. I don't know if you remember that draft where we, we traded back. We had three don't talk about it. second round draft picks and we took, what was Mom it? Devin Kelly. Thomas. Yeah, Malcolm Kelly, Kelly and Fred Davis, and I thought Davis and Kelly were going to give us a really dynamic red zone offense, oh, and neither panned out. And I mean, Davis, <laughs> Davis, and was it Kelly? Kelly always had injuries because he had that like bone on bone knee issue when we drafted yeah. him. He was off Davis a lot of people's good. boards. Davis was good. He was yeah. too busy making rap videos, though. Oh, yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think Kim is electric with the ball in his hands but getting the ball into his hands is the problem because he can't catch he's shown time and time again he has the drops and the punt return is just scary to even begin to watch so when he showed last game that he's dropping balls alligator arming you knew it was gone I, i think the writing was on the wall friday night Dude, the guy is small, unathletic, tiny He's hands. not unathletic. Stop he is it. very unathletic, actually, <laughs> if you consider his measurables. The dude literally has uh, – he's less athletic than Adam Humphreys is. I mean, the guy has no athleticism to him whatsoever. I mean, I could not wait till he got cut. I was excited. I celebrated. I popped a bottle of Dom Perignon. I was, I was celebrating. You was popping bottles, bro? I was popping <laughs> bottles. <laughs> Because it was just funny, like, yeah. how we utilized him two years ago at the end of the season. Like, he was nobody that anybody knew about. So when we put him in the game, they thought he was a decoy. And then they used him with all these trick plays. And it was like, like why weren't you doing this with the, our studs, like our stars throughout the season? Why are you doing it with this guy that nobody hurt, nobody's heard of? And Jay you know, Gruden. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, the one but, thing with know. Steven Sims is, like, I felt like he was very explosive off this off the line like that was the one thing that like if you look at a skill set i'm like yeah he was he was pretty elite there right like that was the one thing that he had to him and then i think they kept him around so long because you wanted him to become that special teams guy and now with deandre carter actually kind of coming out and and doing well and and looking like he's a little bit more sure-handed there i i think that was kind of the the nail in the coffin for him which we talked about a little bit let um, me tell you what steven sims actually had steven sims had great feet yeah. yeah, great feet, but terrible hands. <laughs> you, are you a foot guy? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we got Yeah, happy feet, man. He can get open, but the thing is, he can catch the ball. It was like almost like you wanted him to be a running back if he was like bigger, because he can do some things with the ball in his hands. It's just getting the ball in his hands. You can't hand him off the ball every time. He has to catch it at some point, and that just wasn't a strong suit. Even when he does catch it, it's a bobble. Think, the, think about the playoffs, right? When, he, when Taylor Heineken threw that perfect pass, he bobbled it and put two feet in and got the touchdown. But he sure did bobble that, uh, you know, that pass. So, yeah, that's Steven Sims. Was it McCardle that was the wide receiver coach that kind of fought for him? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. He was and a I think wide receiver coach. Yeah. One of the big things that he had said was like when he watched his tape, to your point, Manny, he, he called out that he has like really great short area quickness and his feet were excellent. So, um, that's, I, I think you're spot on there. That was exactly what he brought. And they were hoping that that could develop into that, you know, in the slot receiver position, a good fit in that offense. Does this leave Adam Humphreys pretty safe on the roster now though? What do you think, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we know this, I think six are a lock right now. Terry, Samuel, Humphreys, 
Diame, AGG, and Cam Sims. And I think the question is, are we keeping a seventh with Carter, Wright, and Milne? We'll see. That is so many. So many pressure that, Chase. Who'd you name that you had as locks? He the said locks. McLaurin, Humphreys, Samuel, Diami Brown, AGG Cam Sims, and, and AGG. Now, now, Chase, do you, do you agree with that? Because I, I kind of – I don't know if I agree with Cam Sims being a lock or Antonio Gandy-Golden being a lock just yet. I, I think – I actually think AGG has a better path than Cam Sims does because of that 50-50 ball. But what do you think, Chase? I honestly – I feel like one is going to make it. I don't see both making it. Uh, you know, I just feel like they're very similar players to an extent. I like Cam Sims a lot. However, I'm going to give the edge to Antonio Gandy-Golden. I don't love that take, but, you know, I just don't see us – Carrying that many, but what about DeAndre Carter, who's been our primary kick and power turner, right? That's who I actually think is well, a lock. Well, here's my argument with DeAndre Carter. If Jared Patterson can do the same things that he can do, let's go. Then he's expendable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all about who can do more. It's like in a workplace, right? Somebody's gonna hire you to try to get you to do as many skills as possible for uh, you know, some kind of pay, right? So they're trying to pay somebody to do three or four jobs. And if, let's say, Jerry Patterson can become that third down back or just that RB2 or whatever, then he's kickoff returning and punt returning. And DeAndre and Carter, deuces, bro. It's like, why are you here? I mean, you got to be one thing, though, Jarrett Patterson only had one kick return in college Correct. at Buffalo. So that, I think, scares me. to that, That's a big thing to ask someone to learn Danny how to do Johnson the NFL having never. So, so real quick, I do have a question that was asked, uh, you know, on Twitter earlier. They said, uh, they asked if Jarrett Patterson would be able to be snuck onto the practice squad. No chance. Because, I don't think so anymore. But the Absolutely thing, like, not. all right, so running backs go off. We saw uh, Ramadre Stevenson go off. We saw, um, um, who was Stevenson it for? Stevenson has a bigger pedigree, though. The Chargers, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what, but I mean, we saw like all these players go off though in the third round or the thir third quarter, okay. fourth quarter, up against these third team, fourth team defenses. I see what you're saying. Everybody I see knows you're they're saying. not that good, right? Like, I mean, I know in one of Shane is the worst leagues, right? Shane Mendel's leagues. Someone took Ramadre Stevenson with the tenth overall pick, but that's not going to be a normal thing in most <laughs> nice. leagues, right? Lay Rouncher, I think, was the other one that we mentioned. So, like, yeah, Jarrett Patterson went off up against third and fourth stringers on a bad defense, nonetheless, right? Like, like this wasn't even a good defense. Backups for good defense. This was – you talking about us, though? Wait a minute. No, Jarrett Patterson. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm uh, about to get you. Yeah. Jared All right, Patterson, let's Jared Patterson did get to work in the second quarter a little bit with the first team, I think. He absolutely did. They Not against the first team one. defenders. The the Bengals' first teamers were pulled by the oh, third. Oh, they were gone. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, they were gone in the first uh, because they can't afford to get anybody else hurt because that's what happens to the Bengals. So let me ask you a question, though. Like, one of the players that, from a culture perspective, you want to build around is Jarrett Patterson. And Patterson's a guy that Chase Young had actually vouched for very heavily so I know you don't see that in the NFL like you see it in the NBA or, and everything, but, like, do you want to keep one of your stars happy a little bit? And do you have a talent that, that's worth keeping on the roster that gives you that more dynamic skill set that we've seen from a backup? I definitely think he has the ability to play in the NFL. I, think, I do not think they can stash him, especially with certain running back situations. I don't think he's a number one back, but I just think a team will pounce on him, no question. Mm -hmm. He's a and, player. 
do you want to just keep Chase Young happy? No, I don't really like that. But he's proven that he can play in the NFL. I think he, I think he has. Let me ask you. I'm going to pull someone. I'm going to pull a team up and just like at a haha's take a look at this, right? Like you look at someone at like a at a haha's, <laughs> but like oh, sorry with the mic. But you look at someone like the New York Giants, right? And you got Saquon, who's coming off of ACL. You got Devontae Booker. And then, like, not a ton of depth there, right? Like, Corey Clement, Gary Brightwell. There are teams that I think are lacking that, like, third running back from a depth perspective that I think Patterson's put enough on film that I'd be hesitant to try to sneak him on the the practice squad. I actually think running back is a place where we carry four, potentially, um, the, the scary part about that is we would carry four, but none really contributing a ton on special teams. Um, so that may be the one case that you have against the four. Well, I mean, but now we're talking about what having six or seven, you know, six, most likely wide receivers, right? We have four running backs. Like where do we have to draw the line in the sand for, you know, for, for how many skill position players we're going to keep versus offensive line versus defensive line versus linebackers. You know, we're talking about a lot of skill position players. And I mean, we're not even including like the tight ends and the cornerbacks and safeties already. So let's, let's segue into that because I actually wanted to talk to Mark a little bit about the offensive line and how pretty dominant they've looked in the, in the preseason. And I want to kind of, one of the things I wanted to get to was the roster cuts and how many we see. So, you know, Let's let's start with the tackle position first, though. Um, you know, I, I want to focus in on a guy like Sam Cosme, who's a second round pick for us. Obviously, someone we believe in to let go of somebody who's been a, a stable veteran like Morgan Moses has been. Do you like what you see that the rookies put on tape so far, Mark? Yeah, I, the biggest thing is, well, one pops off his his potential is limitless right now. His run run blocking is superb, and when they actually go into a run set and his hands in the ground, he's scary. He's moving whomever's in his way out of there. Um, he has shown some questionable pass blocking, but even when you think he's going to get beat, he actually settles in really nice, especially against New England. They got a great front seven. He did a really nice job last week. And even this week, yes, he missed some assignments. There was one time where uh, I don't think Fitz got a, he got sacked, but he definitely took a hit, and it was clearly because Cosme didn't move over and pick up the right read. Um, but those are going to happen, and I'm fine with that, especially uh, from him going left to right tackle the NFL. Cosme, the potential looks really good right now. Um, in terms of how many we keep on the roster, the the one thing that I have seen with the line is they're playing everywhere. Outside, I mean, obviously, yep. Sheriff, Ruye, Cosme, Leno, they've all been in the same spot. But when you go with Schweitzer, Flowers, Lucas, Charles, they've played different positions. Charles played left and right tackle this past week. He played left tackle last week. You know, Schweitzer, I, I think, played both guard positions. Both like they're all over the place. Yep. And that's where I think the versatility helps that issue with the seven wide receivers. I mean, we also kept four tight ends last year and we didn't have any good tight well yeah we had logan but other than that we had no other good tight ends so i think realistically right now you only keep nine linemen it gives you the ability to keep seven wide receivers so let me ask you something because as we talk about depth of line you just talked to the versatility there right um 
What do you think of Sadiq Charles? Because you said they played him at left tackle and right tackle, which you know I did see. Do you view him as a potential long-term swing tackle for us, or is he better suited for the interior at this point? I don't think so. I think his athleticism is not there to protect the edge. If you look at anything against speed, he's done. Um, he showed it this week. Granted, I do think Cincinnati has a really good front four, um, and but he didn't go against those studs. He didn't go against Hendrickson, who played great, and Hubbard. Um I just don't think he has the ability to protect the edge. He needs to be in a phone booth. I think he's really good against or playing the run, but I just don't think he has the ability to be out on that edge, especially on the left side. Definitely not. He leans a lot. His balance is off. And once he gets one move, if they throw a double move at him, he's done. He's done. So let me ask you a question then. You said nine. Who are you thinking for your nine? So I got Leno, Flowers, Ruye, Sheriff, Cosme. I think that's your starting five. And then from there, it's Lucas, Schweitzer, uh, Charles, and I've got Larson. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And it's just going by. Look, I mean, I said Cam Sims is a lock, and I'm saying Larson's the other lock because I'm watching their usage and how they're being played in these games. And, look, Cam Sims – was the starting wide receiver in this game this week. He was with the number ones from play one. So that's you just have to watch the usage, in my opinion. I think that's how Cam's a lock, and I think that's why Larson's the second center. Ishmael, he looks a little small. I think you could probably still stash him on the practice squad. He might be able to. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that's a good call out. And and I think you brought up some really good good points with Charles because when he came out of college, when he came out of LSU, I, I think – he did look like he had the opportunity to develop into a starter. He was always a raw talent. Um, and I think one of the big things that came up in, in pass protection for him when I used to watch him on tape when he was at LSU was he did get high on his toes a lot. He would lose leverage um, in, in pass blocking situations. And I think that was something that, you know, maybe it is a little bit that he's uh, lacking that athleticism a little bit. And he's trying to get that, that quickness um, advantage, but I, I just, I, I, I'm with you. I think he's more suited for the interior. I don't think he has the athleticism to stick around at tackle. And I think from a swing tackle perspective, like he doesn't have to, right? Because we have um, Lucas to play that role and I think play that role very well. So I think uh, they know that too. I think they're just trying to see what he can do, if he can play that tackle position while they have it in preseason. He didn't get to play at all in preseason last year. So nope. just try him out and see what he can do. And worst case, put him back at guard. Yeah. And, and so good question to, to, as you, as you talk about guard and uh, Chase, I'll go to you and then, and then Manny next. Um, the biggest competition for that line seems to be at left guard. Who do you ultimately feel like takes that job? Um, as the starter or as the starter? Backup? As no, starter, starting left guard. Uh, like I want to say Eric Flowers because I know that he has the talent to do so, but Switch is looking good, man. And uh, it, it's tough to, tough to vote against him. I don't know, man. I, I think that they could end up interchanging them. I think they could use them. Uh, and this is weird. This isn't a normal thing for NFL teams to do. But I've seen a couple teams do it. I want to say the Falcons were like the last one that I saw that based off of matchup, uh, they would start a different guard. So, for example, if they needed somebody quicker, I think Switcher is probably the, the quicker player over Eric Flowers. Meanwhile, Eric Flowers has more strength, a little bit more range, you know, to handle the bigger guys or if they end up using zone blitzing. So I don't 
know if that's going to happen on like a regular basis or if they do so because they obviously want chemistry with the offensive line. But this offensive line, everybody's so talented that I think that they get away with doing that from time to time. Um, I think it could also depend on on the way that the game's rolling and they could play the hot hand at, at guard to an extent. I know that's not normal and I, I'm, it's the not something game. that it's it's something that I'm just throwing out there. It's a random take. I haven't seen anything on it, but this is enough talent on the offensive line to where they could actually do that and interchange it out. Yeah, I think the one thing that I was it was it Eric Flowers that had the really nice pull block the yeah. other night. Yeah, he's, that was a thing of beauty, man. Like I, I, that's the kind of thing that I I think I remember him doing so well for us and being that like just force in the run game two years ago, and we actually had him. Um, but Mark, who do you think ends up taking that uh, taking that starting job? I personally think it's Flowers. I do. Interesting. Yeah. So um, Manny will I, let I, you be I the. I like his athleticism. We'll um, let Manny be the tiebreaker here. Who you, you like Schweitzer? You like uh, Flowers at left guard? I think I gotta go Flowers just because he's just so big and strong. I mean, you can't teach big. Yeah, you can't. Although Wes Schweitzer, hey, he is one of the yeah. strongest guys on the team. His workouts are dude. Phenomenal. His offseason workouts are insane. <laughs> crazy. I mean, he pulls himself up with two fingers on each. You know, he's. I mean, it, it's really close. If you want to say it is, if you want to say chemistry, you go Wes Schweitzer because he's been there longer. You know what I'm saying? Yep. If you want to say talent, Smash Mouth, you go Eric Flowers because I feel like if you have Eric Flowers in there, it's going to be some gaping holes. For Gibson, I mean, it's going to be smash mouth. The hogs are back. That's what I see when I see uh, Eric Flowers. So I'm going to give the edge to Eric Flowers. But it's very is this the deepest the line's been from an interior Ever. position in a while? Like, I can't years. remember us having this depth. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Don't forget, I mean, Schweitzer is, what, 40 pounds heavier or 45 pounds heavier than, than Schweitzer. So, like, that's this is why I'm leaning, like, a different way because – you cannot call plays like you cannot, you know, game script stuff out like for each one of these guys, like for the same script, right? Like they have, they're almost so much better in certain situations uh, for certain, you know, roles. Like, like Eric Flowers would be better on third and ones, right? Versus Schweitzer. For, uh, when we sit there and we look at, um, you know, goal line type opportunities, Eric Flowers is so much better. I, I like Schweitzer. I think you get the leverage possible to push a defender back. But at the same time, like you're talking about 45 pounds, <laughs> like that's insane. That's yeah. that's absolutely nuts. So, yeah. like I said, I think that there are certain plays where they could end up, you know, game planning around these players, uh, you know, which you normally don't game plan around, you know, left guard. But still, it's it's possible that they could. I, I still have Swites there being a little more mobile and, you know, being able to protect the blind side of your quarterback if there's an edge rusher and, uh, you know, you have Leno uh, that gets busy. But. It is what it is, man. I think that, like, you know, like we've all said, it's very, very close. It's, it's a good be... problem to have. It's, it's yeah, a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a good problem to have, and I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick should feel very comfortable about what's uh, what's blocking in front of him in, uh, with his old line. And I do want to kind of transition to Fitzpatrick real quick, though, because he has struggled with accuracy a bit um, throughout the whole preseason. But I think this last preseason game, against the Bengals, I think started to really concern fans a little bit to the point where you have a bunch of different Washington football team analysts breaking down play by play, almost trying to defend some of the reads that Fitzpatrick is taking. Uh, so question to you, Chase, I mean, the offense, one of the things that like is starting to bother me is we're starting to string together 
some nice big chunk plays, 20 plus yards. And then we don't maintain those drives. We don't maintain that momentum. How concerned are you with what we saw from Fitzpatrick on Friday night? I'm concerned because Fitzpatrick's been known for this. You know, he puts together a long drive. He puts up the stats necessary to be like, oh, he had a great game and, you know, interception or whatever the case was. Fitzpatrick is not a winning quarterback. You know, like we've seen his record. He had, what, one or two winning seasons his entire career. Uh, you know, one was with one of the best Jets team that's been around for the past 30, 40 years. So um, as we go through, you know, these narratives, instead of sitting there and praising Ryan Fitzpatrick for all the great work that he's done, oh, he's so great, man. He's going to be perfect with this team. It's like, how does a losing quarterback going to be perfect with this team? He turns the ball over. He, he's inefficient. Last year, he was wildly efficient in situations that didn't really, I guess, you know, weren't to his advantage. But at the same time, when you break it down, it's like, oh, wait, his completion percentage was a lot higher, but he was playing up against prevent defenses because the other teams were winning. You got put in the fourth quarter to just try and gain chunk yards. You know, he's great up against the blitz. So, of course, he was, you know, picking up the reads that he was supposed to pick up up against prevent defenses. He's been in the league for, you know, 15 plus years. It, it's concerning for me because when the game script is neutral, Ryan Fitzpatrick flounders from time to time. And it, it, it makes me nervous to sit there and, and see this quarterback move forward. Now, obviously, I'm more fantasy-centric than anything, so I love Ryan Fitzpatrick for fantasy. But, <laughs> you know, when it comes to Washington football team, it, he's not a game manager. He's never been a game manager. Nope. Like, that's no, not think, his role. I think, Chase, you nailed it, right? Like, he had a 68.5% completion percentage last yeah. year but if you look the at the 16 career. yeah 16 nfl seasons he's thrown for 65 over 65 percent twice once was was last year um and i think if, if you take his career average i think it's like 60.7 percent if you stack that up against the passers in the 2021 season he would have finished 33rd in the league and he would have been behind dwayne haskins so, you know, granted he was fifth in the league overall, but that maintained consistency has never yeah. been there for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that's one of the big things that I have with him. And the other thing that because, and I think this is what scares me with, with what I see in the preseason is like, he does it in 16 seasons. He's got 13 fourth quarter game winning, um, game winning drives in or comebacks in his career. Sorry, it's comebacks. Um, and four were over the last like two seasons, right? Um, if you look at the 13 that they were against, it was against like really bad teams back in the day, Miami, Cincinnati, Oakland, nine of the 13 were against teams that didn't have a winning record. So it's like, you start putting those pieces together and like the lack of ability to, to maintain offense and, and accurately manage when you need it in the fourth quarter and to have that consistent maintenance of drives. I think that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick has, has struggled in his career. So it does start to give me a little bit of concern. Um, I, I try not to overreact about the preseason, and I think he'll be better quarterback, give us better quarterback play than we had last year. But there are still a lot of concerns that I have with with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I do think, well, one, the offense isn't opened up. It's preseason; they're not going to show much of anything. I do think most of this offense is going to go through Gibson to take the pressure off of Fitz. Now. Fitz did not look comfortable at all the other night. He did have some terrible targets. But the offensive line, as much as I just hyped him up, they actually got beat up a little bit. Hendrickson had his way the other night. Hubbard played well. Larry Okunchobi actually beat up Ruye multiple times, if you watch. Facts. Facts. So, I mean, 
Cincinnati's front four did make Fitz uncomfortable. Um, I really do think, though, especially when because he sh- Scott Turner showing you little glimpses of that offense, and he's designing people open all day long in that offense. So I really think the, that play to Logan Thomas on the first drive, he's got a heck a heck of a lot more up his sleeves, and that's what we're going to see instead of these reads to Adam Humphreys across the middle where it should have been picked. I, I, I do think it's going to be Scott Turner and Gibson more than Fitz's offense. Interesting. And, and I think, you know, that, that's a good point there. But one of the things that also, like, scared me a little bit as we talk about Fitzpatrick is – there's been a few instances where Adam Humphreys and Fitzpatrick have not been on the same page. And it wasn't just against the Bengals. It's been the last two weeks. And their chemistry is really one of the big reasons that Humphreys was signed in the offseason. So, Manny, I'm going to kick it over to you. Is there any concern there? And does Humphreys have a guaranteed roster spot to you right now? I kind of feel like he has to because our slot, our other slot receiver, Steve Sims, just got released. But any, any issues uh, for you there? And do you think his, his spot is safe? So for me, I'm the only one that's not worried about Fitzpatrick. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that first. Um, I think he's going to be fine. When you look at the quarterbacks that we've had the past few years, this is a major upgrade. I'm sorry. And when you look at how Fitz handles the blitz, he reads the field. Taylor Heineke will take off running before he even assesses what's what's going on. So I just want to put that out there. But I think the connection between Fitz to Humphreys, it's being overhyped. Look, we know who Adam Humphreys is, okay? He, he gets hurt. <laughs> like, if if anything, I'm worried about Adam, Adam Humphreys. Dax Mill is a younger version of Adam Humphreys. Granted, he doesn't have the experience, so I'm not going to put that on him. But Adam Humphreys is not necessarily a lock. He's a lock, but he's also expendable because if he's not going to be part of the future or part of what we have planned moving forward, then there's a scenario where the team might say, you know what? We, we, like, I mean, we brought you here for a year to see how it pans out. Hey, maybe it's not working out, and then maybe he gets cut. But um, I'm not worried about Fitzpatrick and the offense right now. I, I said to myself, it's going to take two to three weeks to get this thing together. And we might start seeing the full potential of the offense come week three. So question so not- to, to Mark and – sorry, go ahead and finish your thought. I apologize. No, no, no. no. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. As I said, so question to, to Mark and, and to Chase here. So – if Humphreys struggles, who moves into the slot? Who do I want? Who not? Who do you want? Who do you think moves in though? Because I think Chase is smirking because I think it's going to be two different answers, I, and I think I he kind of knows I know where I'm Chase, leading him. Here. Chase obviously wants Curtis Samuel. You don't even have to ask him that question. I don't want it. It's going to happen. It's it's but, going to happen. It's just a matter I mean, of time. It's not even a discussion. <laughs> Why are we even talking about it? It's going to be Curtis Samuel. <laughs> why why can't they move Terry to the slot? Let him just not no, full time. No, 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 no. Like not full time. Let me just finish this. Let me just finish this. Why does Adam Humphreys have to be on the field all the time? Why can't Terry line up in the slot? He will destroy everybody in the slot. Yeah, he has. I think he had what a 20% snap slot share over the past two seasons, maybe it's 25%. He will play in the slot, but the slot receiver already is Curtis Samuel. <laughs> Because Deami Brown is going to dominate on the outside, just like he's supposed to, just like we saw with that catch on the outside where he literally just got above the clouds and actually caught the ball with his hands for the first time in his career. 
you know, above the defender, and it was beautiful. It was magical, and this is what's going to happen. This is what the offense is going to look like by the, the tail end of the season. It's going to be De'Ami Brown on the outside. It's going to be Curtis Samuel in the slot, and it's going to be, of course, Terry McLaurin playing the X, because guess what? Curtis Samuel cannot play the deep ball. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> and I love the family love going on on the screen right now. And I'm actually a little bit concerned because I heard a bang upstairs and I don't know if my wife left the house or not. And my son has learned how to climb out of the crib. So I'm like, is he just running around right now while we're on the show? But uh, we'll see in a little bit. <laughs> no, I'll get it. I, mean, I might actually hop off camera and, and check up there. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think, I think, the good news is we've brought in depth at the receiver position. The good news is we know in Scott Turner's offense, people are asked to be chess pieces and will move around. To your point, Terry McLaurin will get his share of snaps in the slot. He won't be the every day. And I know that's not what you're saying, Mark, slot receiver, but he will get that 20, 25%. I think you'll see Samuel move in. Um, I think you'll see Brown take snaps there. So I think it's going to be a, a mix and we have the talent. And I think even if Humphreys makes this team, I don't think he's going to be getting the regular snap count that you would see out of a traditional uh, slot wide receiver. I think it's actually going to be split more among the other three guys that we've been talking about. And Humphreys will play a role, but um, I don't know if we'll see him get as high of a snap count as some people might think. So we do have time and, and I do want to hit this. And I know that this is Chase's like least favorite topic in the world, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it is a topic that has been burning Twitter for the last two weeks and months and over a year for now at this point. But we did see rumors on Twitter last week after the second making the brand video dropped that we were down to three names. Um, and I think there were some rumors actually spreading around that those three names were potentially the commanders Red Wolves, and a mix of Red Hogs or Hogs. Uh, the other names that I've, I've seen get thrown around and mentioned have been like Sentinels, Presidents, Defenders, Armada, and Brigade. Where do you guys all stand on the name? And I know even if it's something you don't care about, right? And I know we've, we've talked about how like, hey, as long as we're winning, we, we could be the Washington Meatballs. And Daryl Green said that and everything. But if you, were, if you had to pick a number one right now, and I'm going to start with Mark, who, what, what would you pick? <laughs> it's still Red Wolves for me. It is. Um, I think they can have the most fun with it. Um, I hate the whole name change process. I hated the whole thing. I hated it to begin with. Um, I do think they're doing a really nice job to get the hype around it, and I think they can do something really good with it. Um, but I think Red Wolves gives you your best – uniform options i think it, it you can have the most fun with the inside of the stadium that's what i want to see red wolves right now we're gonna see mark howling you know I, on camera one you time no idea. I'll, all I'll red will. face paint i'll go nuts i don't care <laughs> people wearing the wolves masks and everything so uh, the the interesting thing is though like are, are we getting a little bit of fatigue of the name talk about like, I know it's a good yeah. marketing campaign but is it aren't you kind of just like exhausted from it i even hate bringing it up now they should have already had it picked out way before this became an issue because they knew it was wrong in the first place. You know, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it was going to be an issue. So why would you not have the name picked out already? Like, why not already be rolling into the season? And you know what sucks is if we end up winning this year, and I bring it up every time, if we end up winning this year, then we're stuck with the Washington football team. No, it's not. We are stuck if you have – because, all right, so here's the deal. If you end up having – a, a playoff run, right? But you know that you're changing the name. They can't manufacture enough jerseys to cover uh, the the cost when people go to buy it, right? Because when it gets hot, 
people end up buying the hop, hop on the bandwagon. So they can't manufacture enough because then they won't be able to sell it after the season. And then if you end up transitioning to a new name, right, you can't start making the stuff early if you're winning because of the fact that it's going to end up, uh, you know, I guess skewing your merchandise sales for a certain point. So it, you're kind of in like a limbo as to where you can capitalize and not have to worry about dead products just falling to the ground. And so if you end up going on a playoff run, right, and you end up hitting it, guess what? We're stuck with Washington football team. I don't care what the options are. Do you realize how many bad players that we've had in this franchise where the jerseys have just gone to hey, <laughs> the clearance I got, rack? <laughs> I got two words for y'all. Daniel Snyder. Exactly. exactly. He doesn't care. Look, yeah. he wanted to make money off of this football team, and he's made money off of all of y'all. I say all of y'all because I haven't bought anything. I haven't bought anything <laughs> Washington football, but see, he knows what he's doing. You bring out this generic name, he's made tons of money, right? Even if he loses money, he's still gonna make money. Like, it's all for money. It's all for money. That's that's yeah. that's why <laughs> you know we had this generic, boring name for two years, and then now they're gonna change it to something else just to make some more money. I mean, it's a mess. And then with this whole making the the brand process, I don't care. I haven't looked at any of that stuff. I don't know what's going on, honestly. I don't care what the name is, but if I had to pick a name, I would say outside of everybody wants red wolves, and it might not even be red. It might not even, it might just be wolves. But we're I, not red. Hey, hey, I know, right? We're not even red. <laughs> we're burgundy. We're like burgundy. that's so frustrating. <laughs> I'm here, red wolves. I'm like, why would we call the red wolves? We're burgundy. We're not red. Oh man, because you know that whole redskins thing. Now they want to have the the whole red wolves. You know. They want to do that whole hail to the red wolves. HTTR, man. HTTR, yeah. So it's, it's, it's that bad. one word. But I like Sentinel. It has to be. That's it. That it bothers me so much when people don't make it one word. If we had a two word red wolves, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Manny, I, I think that's my number three. I like the Sentinels yeah. as well. Sentinels, well, you, know, it's, you know, I think of the X Men and, you know, I like Sentinels. I like Sentinels. Sentinels. Does it bother you that it's like from the cheesiest football movie? And I know people love the cheesy. replacements. I hate it at all. It's so cheesy, man. <laughs> it's a really bad football-oriented movie, but it was a great. I love the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite football movies like two weeks ago. It's really bad. <laughs> it's it's like wait, do we we do we actually have to have somebody on like? the cast that knows about football in order to make a football movie or can we just hire like a high school kid who you know has been to a couple high school football games because that's what i feel like it's like but now i mean are, are we stuck is it locked into these names like is this all we're i don't think with? it is i think there might be some others that we don't know about who knows i, I feel like so, there's a surprise coming because i don't like none of these names make much sense to me because the only one that actually has any kind of like marketing capabilities behind it where you could increase your sales significantly over what we had would have been the Red Wolves. But, ugh, God, we're not even red. I, I, I just don't understand like the whole concept uh, behind it. Like, I mean, all right, so let's just say, what are, what are the team names? Give me a second. It's Sentinels, Presidents, Defenders, Armada, and Brigade. Commanders. The Red Hawks. Like, where's the marketing sense in this? Where where are they like, oh, we can do this and we can make so much money off this? Like Manny brought up, it's all about the money for Dan Snyder. Like, is there any angle that's actually sexy to any of these names? And I just don't see it. 
So here's one thing that they did say, though, because there was a report, and I think it was like CBS that said that those were that we've narrowed it down to three, and those were the list of names that it was coming from. Um, Jason Wright did come out and say that that list that was published with the eight names is not like the final list that they chose from, but they have narrowed it down to three. That's all he said. So it doesn't have to come from that list. That's the one that's in leaked. I here's where I'm at. I think that anything that you see on that making the brand video isn't being considered. I don't think they're stupid enough to tease it. I think all those corny logos that they're showing are just to get us talking about it, right? I don't think they're dumb enough to go with any of that. So I have faith in it. I, I just, I don't think it's going to be Red Wolves. I really like Red Wolves too. Um, I kind of like Commanders as the as the second for me. Um, I don't love it, but other than the other names, I think those would be my, my top two. And it's just the Sentinels I like too. I think you could do some cool concepts around it. It's just, it goes back to, I just think of the replacements movie. And I think of like the jokes of like us being considered replacement players and everything um, if we're bad, but it does tie to the history. We did win a Super Bowl in the scab year and the, the year where we had replacement players. So maybe it ties together with the history of the team, but I don't love it. So it's gonna be the meatballs. It's going to be the meatballs. The meatballs. (laughs) All right, gang. Well, hey, um, I want to give everybody an opportunity. This is the best part of the show for me because Chase and Mark are like the two polar opposites of how long we do it. But I want to do a a little round table here. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you, Manny. As our guest, I want to start with you. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you. Oh man. (laughs) We lost it right at the. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll kick it to you, Chase. (laughs) Uh, Mark, do you want to start out? Yeah, I definitely do. Because I think you always go after me. You guys, you can follow me at Twitter uh, at Mark Crow. Have a nice night, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys go check out all my content over there at fantasyintervention.com. All of our content over there at fantasyintervention.com. I'm releasing some auction stuff for fantasy football, so I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, that should be coming out, I believe, tomorrow from Ben Nestor. Uh, he does an excellent job with, with auction drafts, so I'm excited for that. You guys can also go check me out on Twitter, FF underscore intervention. You guys can find all of our live shows at join our circle underscore. Once again, that's join our circle underscore. You guys can go check out all of our videos as well at youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Go check out Fantasy Football Discussion if you're into fantasy football on Facebook because guess what? That discussion is going nonstop. I've gotten... Like, literally, I'm not even kidding. I've gotten 45 notifications over the past hour that I've been on. Not even 45 minutes. So I'm getting one notification a minute uh, coming from Fantasy Football Discussion because that's how crazy those people are. 25,000 members with over 20,000 active on a daily basis. Go check out Fantasy Football Discussion on Facebook. And then, of course, you guys can find us here every Monday night. Every Monday night at 830. Thanks for coming in, guys. So, Manny, I'm going to do a quick audio check. Do we have you back? Nah. All right. You guys can go find him at Manny Chukuba, C H K U B A. C H O K U B A. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm so sorry. C H O K U B A. Ooh. My bad, Manny. <laughs> and then I'll end with me. Um, easy to find on Twitter. What Gibbs FF, like Joe Gibbs. What Gibbs FF. Uh, come find me over on Twitter. I'd uh, love to hear from Washington fans on there. And uh, appreciate everybody joining us tonight.